on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Boogeyman Golf Podcast hosted by Dave and Johnny. As we speak, the Hero Dubai Desert Classic is just getting underway after that rain delay. And I sat down with Ladies European Door Professional, Laura Beveridge to chat about her 2022 season which was by all accounts her best season on tour. She's been a professional golfer for 10 years playing between the Ladies European Tour and the LET Access Series. This is a great chat with Laura about her journey to security on the Ladies European Tour, her strong finish there last season and her ambition for this year ahead. But before all that we are really happy to announce that the Bogeyman Golf Podcast is now brought to you by Gimme Golf Clothing. We could not be more excited about this partnership with Gimme Golf. We got all the gear the other week and I live in it now. From quarter zips to jackets this gear is perfect at the moment for any kind of winter golf that's going on as we wait for the weather to improve. So if you use code bogeyman15 at gimmegolfclothing.com you get 15% off your purchase. We have all the details below as well so make sure you go and check them out. We want to thank the guys so much at Gimme Golf for supporting the pod now here's laura beveridge now guys i'm delighted to say that i'm joined by ladies european tour professional laura beveridge laura you're currently joining us from um united arab emirates where you're getting a bit of warm weather training ahead of heading off to uh kenya and then are you, you doing morocco then after that yes that's right yeah 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 thanks for having me um yeah we've got a good run of events coming up so uh, it was a bit cold in scotland so i'm getting some warm weather practice out here at Alain golf club um, just for like nine days prior to going to Kenya, Morocco, and then Saudi. <laughs> it's been, it, so I, I saw a few weeks ago, obviously, there was the announcement for the new 2023 season. It's what, a bigger season with kind of more events, uh, bigger purses, and then also it's a Solheim Cup year. So it's it's a big, busy year on the Ladies European Tour. That must be very exciting to look at and to, to know what you have coming down the line, especially considering kind of the last couple of years, like covid in particular, really kind of hammered the Ladies European Tour. Yeah, yeah, it's a strong season. We've got, I think, uh, 27, 28 events minus the majors, so could end up, you know, 30 on top of that. Um, so, yeah, it's good. And all the all the prize funds, they've now, the LET have set the minimum prize fund for the events at €300,000. Um, and that's great from our point of view. It means that when we're turning up, you know, it's worth us going and travelling to the events, you know, to make a bit of money and, um yeah i think yeah i'm just i'm just really excited and yeah with the solheim stuff see if we can maybe climb up some of those rankings <laughs> yeah so i want to chat about the year um coming up kind of later on in the pod but i'd love if we could just have a look back on the 2022 season and and kind of how how that went for you key takeaways are you happy with it would you give it a rating out of 10 like what would you what would you give yourself when you look back on it all Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd give it a solid eight out of ten. Um, I started off the season pretty well. Uh, again, like Kenya was our first event, um, and the game was feeling good. And then um, I had a few decent results in South Africa and stuff. And then I actually caught COVID um, on my way to Thailand. So um, I ended up having this like month break because I missed a couple of events in Thailand, New Zealand, 
then on top of that because I didn't fly onwards and stuff so I had a bit of a break and that kind of put my momentum to a little bit of a, a halt you know um so it took me a little bit to get going again but then once I did you know I hit like a bit of a purple patch I guess uh come like as of the London event the Aramco London event and then like my game felt good and then I had like finished like 40 38 16th fourth second and I just got onto a bit of a good run um so from then on I was really happy with how I handled myself and um and once you get onto a good run like that you know I was uh I, I was pretty confident on the course and you know, you start seeing yourself climbing up the order of merit and it's a bit more relaxed going into the events at the end of the season, but still was able to perform, uh, like knowing that I didn't really like have to, you know, because I already had gained a good status for next year. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with how I handled myself on the course. And um, like looking back from where I've come from, you know, it's been a bit of a slog getting to this point. Like I've had my full status on European Tour before and I only had like six starts out of 20. You know, and it's like it's it's finally I've got my foot in the door a bit, and uh, now I can really you know make my mark on LET. <laughs> when you say when you look back on where you've come from, for people that wouldn't know, what are you referring to there, or what what is that? No, sure. Uh, so, um, like, so this is my tenth. Well, actually, I've been a pro for ten years now. This is my eleventh season as a pro. So I had like you know a couple of years on the LET access tour. Um, and then a couple of years with my full status on LET, but not really getting enough events to really keep my card. And I've been to Q School, I don't know, seven or eight times, or something, you know. And I've 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 kind of always drifted. I've had a bit of a taste of LET, but not enough to really, you know, like I guess like solidify my you know my status. Um, and then I've drifted back onto the Access Tour and um, and not really managed to earn enough money to to kind of keep myself going um, until this last year uh, when actually I, I feel like I'm I'm playing good golf and now I'm getting rewarded for it. It's great. So yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a, a steady incline <laughs> to this point. Uh, and, it, but it's not, it's not the plateau, you know, we're still trying to go that little bit higher. <laughs> Very good. You um you gave an interview. Uh, I did a bit when I was doing a bit of research, and you said that you finally feel that you belong on the LET. Um, <laughs> was there something that that changed? So that was obviously talking about last season. Was there something that changed for you going into that season or during that season, or, or um, what are you kind of referring to there? Just more like I mean, it's all about like being quite familiar in in your surroundings and stuff and like a lot of the courses I'd played before and even things like I knew a lot of the girls on tour so nothing was that daunting anymore and because I'd had a few good results um you know I didn't really feel like I had to prove myself not even to anyone but I I, I felt like I didn't have to prove anything to myself anymore you know and I'm, I'm hitting the ball as good as anyone else on tour and I've always people have always told me that but I've never really quite believed it um, but then having some good results and actually, you know, I finished second to uh, Carlotta Saganda in, in Spain. I was only two shots back and like that's that's nothing over the course of 72 holes. And she's, you know, an amazing world class player. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just more. I'm, I'm now a bit more comfortable teeing it up. I mean, you still get the adrenaline and you still get the nerves and everything, but um, it's more knowing that something good could happen. And that I'm capable of it. Like it might, obviously, it's not going to happen every week. You know, we're not going to 
turn up and shoot the lights out every week. But it's more the confidence of knowing that it could happen. Um, and that's what's exciting. Like, that's what's helped me feel like, OK, yeah, maybe I could do pretty well on tour now. Yeah. What's the community like on tour? You spoke about kind of knowing the girls more. You're obviously out there at the moment with a couple of the, couple of the other girls from the tour. And you're, from what I've heard, bunking together in very close quarters. So <laughs> Here oh, we oh, are. Oh, oh, there has to be a lot of friendships on tour. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It's also nice because a lot of the girls have also gone through what I've gone through where they've been playing on access and, you know, a lot, it's not very glamorous quite a lot of the time, you know, so we have to share Airbnbs, share cars, give lifts to whoever possible when we're going to the airports and stuff. Um, and it's nice that there's a real mix with the nationalities too. Like it's not very often that the nationalities really separate and have their little cliques, you know, everyone sits together and like, and, you know, you can walk into the players lounge and sit at any table and you'll be fine. You know, um, it's just, it's just very sociable. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's always been like that. It's just that like now that I've been around for so long, it's, it's nice to see the same faces week in, week out. And yeah, I'm here with a couple of Finnish girls this week, Tia and Nina. And um, yeah, they're great. Like, yeah, sharing in very close quarters. <laughs> There's no floor space in the room. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. But, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way because then that's when, like, I think it's interesting also to learn from other nationalities too. So just to see how they go about their business and, um, yeah, I think we can learn a lot about other players in that way. Mm -hmm. For sure. So going back to then last season, and you mentioned obviously the the good form that that you did hit kind of in in early summer. Um, I guess the first really big result that jumps out is the the tied for fourth that you you had at the Monday uh, German Masters. What was that like going into that week? Obviously, you just come off a T sixteen over in in Czech just a week the week before, but was it a case of you just had found your stride, or or what was it? Yeah, like and even the the turning point was actually I felt was the event in London. Um, as I said, I couldn't even actually tell you. I think I finished like thirty eight, which if you saw that on paper, you'd think, well, that's not very astounding. Like, why does that stand out? You know. Um, but like we came away from that event, the conditions were tough and I hit the ball so good. And we just found like something on the course, like swing wise, you know, something that works. Like I'm always trying to work on the same thing with my coach Keel, who's also my husband, um, you know, with, with my right arm. And we kind of got it going a bit. Um, and so then that gave me confidence into check. And again, we, I came away 16th from there. And I, I remember holding out an 18 and I was like, oh. 16th right okay and like suddenly like the goal posts have shifted you know I was disappointed that I didn't finish top 10 because I really should have I should have eaten that course up like there were so many reachable par fives and you know the the, the tee shots are pretty generous and you know I hit a long ball so it, it played right into my hands so when I pitched up in Germany and saw that it was a, a similar kind of course mm. um yeah I was just pretty excited and and I actually speak a bit of German too so that that kind of helped. I had a local caddy guy. And um, so I felt like I always feel quite at home when I go to Germany because I can converse a little bit. Uh, like I won in Germany on the LET Access Tour. Um, and there were people from that event of, from when I won that came to watch me play in the final round this one. Um, oh, right. So, yeah, it's pretty special. It's cool. Yeah. So, like, I always feel like, I'm, yeah, I was pretty comfortable. And, but, you know, there's always, like, other kind of added pressures like I was in the penultimate group with Lynn Grant and Olivia Cowan and 
Um, and we all shot uh, four under on the last day, I think. Um, is it bad that I can't remember? Like, we all shot the same score anyway. <laughs> um, you, you play a lot of then, golf in, in a year. It's, it's it's okay if you forget. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> But yeah, like we all felt the same score in the last round and stuff. And um, but because because I was playing with Lynn Grant, you know, she was having a great season, and we had a lot of, like TV cameras around and stuff on the fairway and everything. So um, it was nice to be able to perform still, even though there's guys like ten feet behind you lying down on the fairway trying to get a shot, of you <laughs> like hitting the shine, and you know, there's there is there was quite there were quite a lot of distractions, and you know that we have to learn how to deal with that too, but. That was only three weeks, four weeks or so after Lynn won Scandinavian Mix. So that was kind of really when she, she had popped off. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And she was nice. Like like I knew her caddy really well. So we got we got on pretty great. Like he's a Scotch guy. And um so yeah, I felt like the vibe in the group was really nice. And I'm quite chatty in the golf course and I had my little local caddy guy and um so I was kind of chatting to him a bit and yeah it just felt quite comfortable also the course had a bit of a links to feel about it um not in terms of how it played but just like visually um you know it it looked quite linksy so uh and it was also pretty windy which helped because i like being able to like shape the ball into the wind and stuff so <laughs> so you're would you say your style of play is fairly links developed in terms of like you like playing in the wind you can shoot it like because you hit a very big ball like you were saying that you hit it a long way thanks <laughs> anyone can just watch the video that we did with you on the driving range where you're just hitting just dead straight drivers for about 15 minutes thanks <laughs> so how, how would you describe your 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 golf game yeah uh well we like this year more than any other year we've been way more aggressive off the tee um so uh, yeah we take driver most of the time um because you have to use your length to your advantage um so but i quite like playing this like tee low kind of stingery driver that chases quite a bit, but somehow it still gets the length like through the air. Um, I can tee it up if I need to, you know, if I have to carry bunkers or something, but, um, but yeah, I like, I like kind of shaping it, like using the wind to my advantage. Not that I didn't really grow up on links either. You know, I grew up on parkland courses, but like with all the amateur events being on links courses, you end up learning how to play these shots, you know, and yeah. Um, so yeah, I I quite like it when the wind gets up because it get it just gets your imagination going a bit. It's almost like the flat cam days are the tough ones because everything's in your favor, you know. Whereas we like the challenge of the of the poor weather because it it like it really helps you focus on right. I have to hit it there so the wind can take it, or I have to do this because the rain's going to affect the ball or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And sure, I mean, flat cam conditions, everyone on tour is good enough to, to go low. So mm-hmm. if if you enjoy playing in the wind a bit more, that's an advantage to you over someone that possibly might not be as big a fan of the wind. Well, so you're saying yeah. that it was windy like that in Germany and kind of looked linksy. So it all kind of suited your eye and obviously then finished T4. Then to follow it up uh, in Spain at the Estrella Dam, you mentioned there obviously finished second to Carlotta Seganda. You went 66, 66 on the weekend. Like that's, that's crazy scoring. I know. I didn't even know I'd done it until I saw my score like listed on the results. And I was like, oh yeah, oh, it's 66, 66, you know, because I was just so in the moment of, we were just trying to make birdies, 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 you know, I had my husband on the bag for that one. Um, he got a lot of stick because 
my best ever finish was the week before uh, when I was tied fourth. <laughs> And he wasn't on the bag, so he turned up for Spain. Um, and then, yeah, I was able to secure that. But he's he's pretty good at, you know, he just says, right, okay, like another birdie, another birdie. But actually, at that point, um, I'd gone something like, uh, was it 13 rounds in a row under par? So at that point, like that last round in Estrella Dam was my 13th round, like in a row under par. So at that point, we weren't actually really looking at where we were on the leaderboard or anything, we were always just like, okay, one more round, one more round under par. And we just tried to keep the run going just to see for fun, like how far we could take it, you know. And I'm just looking at it here. So you continued it on then for another week to enter the big green egg. So you went another round under par on the Thursday. Which oh, was it one more? Right. Okay. So that was my unlucky 13th round. <laughs> because I remember, yeah, because I had the, I had the LET video guy had interviewed me and he was like, you've been playing well. And I stupidly said, because I hadn't mentioned it to anybody. It was just like a standing joke between Keel and I. Um, and I was like, yeah, this, I've had so many rounds under par or something. And then I remember feeling like an idiot because I didn't keep that run going in the green. You know? I mean, I had to stop at some point. We're not, we're, like, we're not TW, you know, but like, yeah, it was just, it was just fun to always, you know, like maybe you're coming down the stretch and you're only like, level or one over and you're like oh i've really got to get this going and then i'd hold like a birdie putt in the blast and be like eh, that's another one like you know just yeah that's it. it's like a it's like a goal within a within a goal you know so like if we can control that then the results take care of themselves for sure and so what do those string of three very good results then do for you obviously that you you jumped up i think about like 200 or so in the world rankings off the back of those results yeah that secures ish to a degree at that point you're placed in the top 60 on the on the race to Costa del Sol so that again kind of mm-hmm. almost confirms your card for for this season do the goalposts mm-hmm. shift for you then like do you reevaluate objectives or or like what do you what yeah. do you do from there as someone that's never been in that kind of a position <laughs> what, do you, what do you do well yeah it was funny like I was because it would have been easy to look at my position in the order of merit and sit back and think, oh, I've secured that now, so I don't need to perform or as well or whatever. Um, but Keel's pretty good at keeping me grounded. Like, at the end of a tournament week, you know, we celebrate if we did well or, you know, we take a look at what went wrong if it didn't for that last tournament day, and then it's gone into the next week. So we're we're really trying to to not think about the bigger picture of the card, even though it's right there dangling on a string, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, I guess it meant that I, I had more confidence going into the events because I didn't really have to perform as well. And yeah, the goalpost shifted more also because I, when I went into the last event in Spain, our, Ross, our race to Costa del Sol, my friend Tia, the one that I'm sharing with this week, um, she said to me at the start of the week, you know, if you finish top 10 this week and so-and-so doesn't, then, no, no sorry, if, she said, if you finish in the top three this week and so-and-so doesn't, then you'll finish in the top 10 in the LET order of merit and that will get you your LPGA, like, sorry, that will get you to the final stage of LPGA Cusco. And that wasn't even on, that was not on the cards, like, at all. I had not worked it out. We, it, it wasn't at all. So now the goalposts have shifted and we're like, okay, well, and I mean, I didn't finish top three, but um, but now it's like, okay, this year the goalpost has shifted to, yeah, let's try and chase that top 10 on LET. 
Um, but yeah, I felt like I, I wasn't really thinking bigger picture that way. We were just trying to play good golf at the time. And um, But yeah, we need to really sit down and evaluate what the goals are for this year. <laughs> so I guess also that the, those solid results kind of early in the summer then also give you a freedom, like you're saying, you didn't necessarily have to get a result or perform quite as high, but it gives you a freedom to to perform freely. Like uh, we, we had Seamus Power on the podcast and he spoke about, about the big difference between going down the stretch or playing in, you know, in a playoff against a serial win or someone that has won and their future is secure for the next few years. And they have no problem going for the big shot because their career or their next year or so is secure. Did you have an element of that going into the latter half of this season where you're like, okay, cool. Like I can, you know, we're not going to do anything outrageously crazy here, but <laughs> you can, you can swing freely basically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's more that I guess, I guess my whole rhythm changed. Like we work a lot on rhythm um, with, uh, with Q and I, um, when we're on the golf course, we're trying to be like super chill, keep everything free flowing and yeah that was definitely a lot easier to do like knowing that like my results so far have have almost guaranteed my card um and then also again a couple of tournaments i guess um you know if things weren't going so well i wasn't searching for anything mm. because because you know it's there you know we didn't spend you know hours on the range after after the round and i didn't get frustrated on the course either because i know that i'm a good player and as we say it's it's all about the good results being possible that day, like whether they happen or not. Then, you know, sometimes that's that's not in your hand, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was more, yeah, it, like it gave me it gave me the freedom just to kind of be myself on the golf course, which is nice, which is where we all want to be. Um, yeah, yeah. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> So then obviously you finished at the end of the year, 32nd, the race cost of us all. Compare that to where you, like the goal that you'd set at the start of the year, was that kind of in and about where, where you're looking at or? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I always, I always set goals at the start of the year. And in, in my head, I'd said top 40 was good. Um, and then I'd kind of put it out there and then I'd had a decent start to the season, but I'd forgotten about it. Like really. Um, and I kind of just got on with the job at hand. And then it wasn't until I was looking back in my in my notes, like for my goals for this year, you know, I searched goals in my notes. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I actually wrote down that I sh- could finish, that I should finish top 40. You know, and it's not it's not until you look back, you think, okay, yeah, I achieved that. Um, yeah, like it, it, it was kind of on the cards, but at the time, like prior to my run of good form, to be honest, at that point, I was, I was just trying to make cuts and, you know, earn a bit of money. But when the good form came, yeah, it, it did really seem possible. Mm-hmm. So then before we get into to 2023 season, and so before I start asking you specific, specific questions, have you, Ankil, or have you sat down to look at goals for the year ahead? Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, our main one is uh, like I want to, so I want to finish top ten so that I can secure that spot to final stage qualifying of LPG. Because I feel like if you're getting top ten on LET, okay, it's not a direct stepping stone, but that's showing really that your game's good enough to compete on LPG for sure. Like when you look at the girls that have finished top ten in the past, um, and you get some like anon- 
anomalies that will come from nowhere and and perform but really like I want to tick that box first before I make that step onto LPGA so so yeah just finishing top 10 uh, yeah and that's about it I mean just keep having fun because like that's where all the good golf comes from you know <laughs> it's funny as well with this with this new season there are a couple of other avenues I guess to getting onto LPGA or even you were saying just kind of comparing yourself against the quality of LPGA fields with all the Aramco events coming up there's more and more LPGA players particularly with the New York event but also there are four aren't there co-sanctioned LPGA and LET events um, I think what beginning with the ISPS handout or that's kind of in the middle of it so that's probably a good benchmark for yourself or is it a good benchmark for yourself to go all right this is you know what they're at this is where I'm at like I can I can compete here yeah for sure and uh, you know I was fortunate to play in the ISPS last year um, and again like I played decent I just didn't the whole lot of birdie putts I think I missed the cut by a couple or something um, but the girls I played with, I had no idea. Like, the, like one of them had won the Scottish Open in 2017. Um, and, and it wasn't through lack of really not knowing who she was, but just because I didn't think that her game was that astounding in the nicest way possible. You know, like I didn't see her being a completely different level from myself. Um, and, and that's the feeling you get a lot of the time, I think, when you're around these girls. You know, there's more... I think because the media is so good around around LPGA, like every everyone seems like they're up on a pedestal. But when you're next to them on the range, you think actually I you know I hit it as good as they do. So um, so these are great events to be exposed to how they go about their business, um, and just seeing that you're not far away from where they are. It's just it's just like needing a little bit of luck on the day and and getting a little bit of good run of form maybe you know um so you said that you're over in um the uae at the moment is that just purely because it's like it is in dublin very cold at the moment so is it back home is it cold back home and you wanted a bit of warm weather training or is there something you're working on or is it just a shorter flight to kenya from the uae uh no it is yeah so um yeah uh, i guess like prior prior to brexit i would have gone over to Spain to see my pal um, she lives in Valencia but um, now because of Brexit we're, we're limited on our 90 days um, so now well this time and also the start of last season um, I came over to the UAE did a bit of practice and yeah it's too cold back home in Scotland it was like it's like five degrees when I left or something and you know like I've, I kind of forget what grass looks like you know <laughs> so, <laughs> I've just got to find my game again um, and this is the perfect amount of time I'm out here for like nine days um you know and I've, I've got a game of golf every day it's great um and yeah everything's so convenient like there's no distractions here we're literally at the hotel we get picked up we go to the golf course we're there for eight nine hours come back eat sleep rave repeat you know it's uh yeah it's a perfect environment for us yeah, yeah and it is also a shorter flight to kenya it's direct to mombasa so <laughs> so what does the early part of this season look like for you are you you going to be going all the way through like is there any events that you're just not going to be going to like obviously there's the kind of a few unnamed thai thailand events and then there's also the mm-hmm. um just a couple of events in south africa are you going to be going to all of them or what's what's the first part yeah. of your year look like well what, what we've really found is that um i play better when we just keep going and like try and play through any sort of lethargic state of yeah like we're trying to always make 
like the tournaments have less pressure by turning up to every event. Whereas when, when we have a break, I feel like you're only sitting at home and thinking about the next tournament. So what, what we try and do is if I want an off week, we'll still go and play the tournament, but really treat it more like a holiday. So, you know, we'll go to the golf, we'll, do the, we'll just do the basics to get by, go out, you know, enjoy your evenings and things. Um, so we'll try and have an off week in that respect by not having a very stressful tournament week. Um, like there are a couple of venues that I haven't performed well at in the past. Um, not to say that I'm not going to perform well this time because my game's in better shape. But um, so maybe like if I get a run of five or six in a row that, and I'm feeling a bit like, nah, I think that's going to be enough and I can I can like leave those out. But I try not to really because like I love it when we get to a tournament and actually like it, it feels like Groundhog Day. You know, like you get up, oh, it's just another tournament day. I'm just here. I'm playing, you know, and there's nothing particularly hyped up about it because when I get too like hyped up and it's just, it just all gets a bit anxious and a bit like, you know, roller coaster out there. So yeah, we try and have everything like, like it's just my day job. You know, I get up, I play a tournament, I go again, you know, and that's when we get onto a role of like good form because I, I, I just keep going. <laughs> yeah and i guess there's a, there's always the the chance that if you go to an event where you're like okay we'll treat this as a bit more like a holiday something could just click and you could just find form or whatever yeah that's just, it mm-hmm. something you get a good break i'm sure it could, it could just go your way that that week and you're like well look we're here now so that was great yeah that's it yeah i feel like we have low expectations in those weeks so um yeah, it's also quite nice just to kind of turn up and try and not be that bothered about the golf. And then thus it has a good effect on the golf because you're not bothered and, you know, you're just playing freely. Um, so that that can also have a good effect. It's like a win-win in that situation because if you play well, it's great. And if you don't, you're like, well, that was my rest week. So yeah. I'm not fast anyway. Let's go do some sightseeing or something. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you played a lot of events last year. Look at it. You played 24 events. That's Yeah. That's and then I would have played like four more if it hadn't been for me catching COVID in Thailand. But I guess maybe I could have taken a break at some point because that would have been too many weeks in a row. But but yeah, like I, like we just try and play everything. Some girls aren't like that. Some girls, you know, will only play like 22 events a year, like 2022. Um, and some girls have rules where it's like they only are away for like four weeks in a row, they take a week off, they come back. Um, but I guess my fear is a little bit like I always want to make sure I'm putting points on the board. Because it's so highly contested right now, the order of merit. Like even your top 60 full card is actually not guaranteeing you into all the events. So it's not only about finishing like with a full card, you need to finish high up in the full cards to make sure that you get all the events. So for me, I'm always wanting to put points on the board. Um, and I'm fortunate that my other half, Keel, is going to come and caddy for what we think of most of the events uh, this year. Um, so I'm really lucky in that respect. Um, so that means that by having a caddy there, hopefully I can reserve my energy, you know, if we're needed and, and I'm able to play as much as I can. Yeah. Cause Keel's also, yes, for anyone that wouldn't know, he, your husband, Caddy, but also coach, he's a PGA professional himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he is. Yeah. So he, he's, he's ticking, ticking a lot of boxes there in, in the team. He's got, he's got a lot going on. He's like coach, obviously husband, um, cheer, uh, cheerleader, Caddy, mentor i don't know like he's just yeah he's the most patient human being and 
yeah I mean that's why it works actually because a lot of people are a bit skeptical about the coach husband idea I mean I say that but we're about to embark on a season where he carries for all these events in a row so you ask me at the end of the season and I'll and I'll give you an honest answer um but no like I think that's I think that's why it works because he's so laid back and um, and yeah we can keep an eye on things game wise you know uh, from a coach perspective and yeah he knows me pretty well we've been together 17 years so I think he's signed up for the long haul yeah well he yeah you definitely think he would know you pretty well after yeah 17 years yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I look young but no 17 years Johnny 17 years <laughs> So you you got plans to play pretty much every event then, is it until like well, all the way through? Yeah, I'm actually now away um, until like the tenth of April. We've got a gap in April, so I'll take some time off there and then because um, we've got a couple of weeks here or there between now and then. But I'm going to stay out. I've got a pal who's in Abu Dhabi. I'm going to see her and then uh, we've got a week like a lie week after the Thai event before Singapore. So we'll go to some touristy stuff and. Thailand or something um which is nice like we, we don't often get these opportunities just to say it's not all like this <laughs> you know um but yeah so yeah we'll, we'll just try playing everything and then see how it goes I mean touch wood you know I'm hopefully like injury free and if I'm well enough then I'll be there and tee it up yeah so that that brings up actually a couple of, of interesting questions it's although obviously called the ladies European tour you're actually not playing in Europe until the Jabra Ladies Open in in France, in which is what yeah. May. Like that, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing and really good for the growth of the game. Now that you're playing in what, like Kenya, uh, South Africa, Saudi, Singapore, Thailand. Like that's that's a lot of air miles. It's pretty far afield, yeah, and it's not it's not the cheapest to be honest. But <laughs> if we get if we get some points on the board with these ones, it's nice to get points on the board early. Um, so that's the goal. Like we we take the hit early with these ones, try and yeah build up a bit of funds, get some points, and then we've got loads of runs of the European ones where we can just dot about from country to country. The flights are short, um, but yeah, I mean it's very yeah it's quite an un-European start. <laughs> I mean it has to be because we just chase the sun, you know. Like there's nowhere that we could play in Europe right now, like really. Yeah, yeah it is right. Um, and so that brings up a couple couple of points. Is you did mention that it is it's, it's costly enough to get over to that side of the world, and a year on tour in general is is a costly experience. Like, could you share kind of ballpark what people are 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 expected to pay for a, a season on tour? For a season on tour, um, I mean, I just kind of worked out for tax purposes my earnings and things it's that time of year um so i think this last year something like between 30 and 35 grand um and then i'm looking upwards of maybe like 40 something for having my husband caddy too because i always have to pay for his flights and things um so yeah something like that um you know i mean it's obviously it's a nice problem to have like these high expenses because it means we're having lots of tournaments Whereas in the past, when we've only had maybe, you know, 15 to 20 tournaments, the expenses are coming in around 20 grand, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a bit, it's a bit costly when you look at all the figures at the end of the year. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. not to think about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's just because like so many sports that like people play don't have that 
cost element like if you're a footballer or a rugby player or whatever it is the team look after that travel whereas you know you you are the general manager yeah, of laura beverage you know like you're yeah exactly i'm C ceo of laura beverage because i'm a linkedin actually um but yeah like i think i think people expect us to have things paid for I think that that like I get so many I get asked that so many times. Oh, but you'll get your flights paid for. Oh, but you'll get a free hotel, or you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, we get free lunches at the tournaments, you know, and sometimes we get shuttles to the official hotels, but we still pay for the official hotels, which are often very nice hotels, you know. Um, but yeah, we pay everything, like like entry fees, flights, accommodation. Cars, rental cars, Airbnbs, insurances, like everything comes out of our own pocket, you know, and I think that's like, that's not a very well-known fact because I don't think that's across the board when it comes to the men's game also. Like I know that they can get subsidized hotel rates and things and um, and I know they get like a weekly fee to cover like caddy costs. And so we're hoping that with a little bit of help, if, if more, you know, sponsors can, contribute a little bit more to the events that we can start having like things like that, like these, uh, these weekly um, little pockets of money that come in to help cover caddy costs, any sort of subsidized hotels and things. I mean, they, like they do all right. Like, um, and, and sometimes the, the rates are cheaper than like booking.com, et cetera. But um, it's, it's still not like the cheapest sport to play, you know? <laughs> so yeah so it just means we need to practice a little bit harder and make sure we hold some cuts uh, in the tournaments to, you know it's an extra incentive <laughs> hmm. but you so you you mentioned there obviously that some some events do look after certain costs or kind of help alleviate that i guess one sponsor is saudi aramco who have really stepped up when it comes to the ladies european tour with obviously the, the saudi's ladies international coming up in what 16th of february is when that starts like they have an increased prize pot for that. And then the Saudi, the Aramco series itself is a very, very important part of the ladies European tour and yeah. you know, a big spender when it comes to the tour as well. So those types of events must, must be very welcome. Yeah, definitely. And those events are great because, um, with well, we've got this, we've got this one coming up in Saudi, the $5 million event, you know, for the first time an event has been matched with, the men's event in terms of prize funds so yeah we're, we're pretty excited about that i mean that like that that is the biggest non-major prize fund ever in the history of europe um if not i think more than lpga to be honest i don't know the figures on that one but yeah all the all the aramco events like they're brilliant and also we have we have the team events where you you get your costs covered with those which is great um, so you get paid something to turn up and play in the team regardless, um, which is great because they're obviously they're also quite far afield. They're not in, in Europe, some of those, you know, um, but but yeah, like they've been a fantastic addition to the tour. Um, yeah. And they're and they're so well run, you know, all the infrastructure around the events. We've got the grandstands up and, you know, like all the food's good and just it's all the little things too like all the all the players lines little additions and so yeah like we're treated like superstars at those events they're good yeah you'd love to obviously like we spent a bit of time at the irish open um and you'd you'd really just hope that a lot more events kind of do put that infrastructure in place for for players i thought i thought their irish open kind of in a very biased way 
was great was really good and like um yeah I guess our feedback was, that we yeah. heard from a lot of players was was that was good but you definitely hope that more aramco level of of events and infrastructure gets gets put in place um yeah like i'm hoping non-major weeks like yeah i'm hoping that you know the other sponsors from other events might look in and say okay well you know we can see how well they've treated the players in those other events we need to step up to the kpmg was great um, I thought the course setup was fantastic at Dromolin and, um, and like all the food in the clubhouse was great. Um, yeah, and, and actually that's the biggest crowds I've seen in a long time. Obviously because we had, you know, Irish superstar playing, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, like I remember looking over in one hole and I was like, that crowd's like 10, 12 people deep around this par three green, which is which is kind of unheard of in your in your run of the mill. European tour event but yeah I think it's great you know um I think I think that event was really nicely done mm-hmm. yeah Irish fans travel to be fair they're they yeah they, they, they do. do look after their own yeah they're pretty loyal they're pretty yeah. <laughs> um the, the one thing on the um the Saudi uh, Ramco series I guess on the on the men's side there's been quite a lot of noise about obviously the the lived affection and and that new series as well as I guess a few of the PGA players going off to play in the the Saudi international on that side. Has there been any kind of discussion or noise or or talk on the LET circuit about about the, the Saudi investment in golf? Obviously, it's like it's done a very very good thing for the women's game. I find mm-hmm. it's a real grey area more in comparison to the men's game, um, for mainly for the fact that we were saying that you know a lot of other businesses aren't putting that level of money into the women's golf. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there hasn't. The, the, I guess. I guess from my point of view, there there hasn't been a lot of noise, or you know, I mean, a lot of the players are are very happy to play these events. You know, we all we all have mortgages to pay. You know, and and I think I think the support they're putting in is fantastic and in, into into women's sport. Um, and yeah, if if it can if it can slightly raise or improve um the perception of society and you know how how they are with women and sport and if it can like slightly bring them more aligned to like a, a westernized civilization you know kind of um then then yeah that's fantastic um yeah i mean like in the beginning that there were a couple of players that weren't too happy about playing them so they didn't um and, but they've, but I mean, they're now playing again. And I think when you see like all the effort they're putting in, all the all the media surrounding the events and the opportunities that they've given us, I think I think you'd be silly not to take them. Um, so from that point of view, there hasn't been a lot of noise. It's just all been everyone's quite quite pleased with with how they've gone and and the amount of effort they're still making. You know, they're up in prize funds. They've added another event. So yeah, like we're just happy that they're supporting us because it makes us feel valued. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, they're one of very few businesses in the Ladies European Tour who are up in their purses and have, like I said, just running the events in a very, very good way. They're probably my favorite events to watch, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think the coverage is really good too. You, you know, they've got they've got more TV cameras out, and they've got some fantastic people presenting all the social media channels. And I think, yeah, like they do a cracking job from our point of view. <laughs> so from one event series to one very big event that's coming up toward the end of summer, 
we would talk about the fact that it is a Solheim Cup year. Um, Europe are reigning champions. Is that something that you that you've looked at for this year? Obviously, coming off of a good good season, what what do you think you would need to do to put yourself into that conversation? Yeah, um, I mean, at least I would need to have a win, probably um, from quite early doors. Um, again, like it wasn't; it's not really on my radar, like because that's all quite out of my control, you know. So we try and just focus on my job at hand and if someone thinks that I'm good enough or if my points put in, put me in a position to be automatically selected then yeah that would be a bonus you know um but yeah I mean I guess I guess the game of golf you know it's an individual sport so um I accepted that you know I'm not all for for the team stuff but I mean if I got the chance to play in it I would I would absolutely relish in that that would be so cool you know um and i'm absolutely glued to it when it's on um, and oh, yeah just because you know the players and you know what you've got an idea of what they're going through and and you see like the relationships between between the players and um yeah it would it would be so cool to have everyone singing my name like that you know <laughs> like, if you fancy singing my name at any point johnny that you know by yourself at a tournament if you turn up but um but could yeah you imagine, no, could you imagine just... i start doing that when i when i see you in may just start going screaming your name <laughs> yeah we need to work on a song but yeah i mean as i say it's not it's not on my immediate radar but if you know with the way my golf's going if i perform well enough uh, and i have a win or two you know some strong finishes then i can't i can't see why it shouldn't be you know um as i said i've played i've played alongside a lot of the top girls and yeah and like i mean they're all great players like we all are great players so uh, yeah i mean that yeah that would be pretty cool but again like the goalposts are not there yet maybe if i play really well then they will be <laughs> yeah very good um i guess my my last question for 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 yourself on this is um so I guess for anyone that may not necessarily watch as much ladies European tour golf, you were saying there that you, you can driving will be one of your strengths of your game. Can you talk to me about what the course setup is like on a ladies European tour event compared to let's say most people just watch PGA or, or DP world tour events, like course this like yardage or setup, like what's, what's, what's a yeah. typical course look like week in week out for you? Um, so the courses range from around 6,200 to 6,300, 400 yards, something like that. Um, and I guess I guess a lot of the courses in Europe, I, I'm always in, I always get the feeling they're a smidgy tighter than the ones over the pond in the US, um, just because that's what we have. You know, we've got tight golf courses over here. So, um, yeah, like 6,200, 300, something like this. Um, and, a, and like a real mixture Parklandy courses. We've got like I mean, we've got the British around Walton Heath this year. Um, you know, I've I've not played it, but it sounds heathy <laughs> in the name. You know, so. bit of a giveaway, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's funny actually. I was playing when I came out in in November. We were over in Dubai and we played um, with a couple of guys who joined our our tea time. Just a couple of amateur guys playing off 15, 16. And the whole day we we played off the back tees, like we played off the blacks because the, the course was coming in around six thousand three hundred. 
and they said uh, on on the last hole they said um, so why why are you teeing off the blacks when you would usually play your tournaments from the reds you know like this you know, we, we don't. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, we don't. Like, and, you know, like the amount of times people think that, that because we're ladies, we play from the ladies' tees. I don't know, you know. Um, but no, like, yeah, our courses are pretty long. And, you know, average my average driving distance is like 260 or something, uh, like 240 through the air. So, like, you know, I'm putting it out there, you know. Um, and I think, I think that's what a lot of people don't appreciate because – Maybe I guess if the if the footage needs to improve a little bit, like media wise and stuff, we can start getting more top tracer stuff on our on our on our screens and start to appreciate like what our numbers are and yeah that we're that we're all actually decent players and we're we're not just playing on courses that are like five thousand yards so like that actually yeah a pretty good test <laughs> they are yeah and and actually they're all pretty varied so like you've got courses like Avian that's super tight. Uh, that'll be set up around 6,000, 6,100, something like that. Um, so the driver won't come out so much then. Um, but then you've got the contrast to the next week, like in the Estrella Dam, uh, the Golf Club Terramar. You know, it was like 6,300 wide open. Mm. So that's what's nice also is that it doesn't always suit one particular player. Um, like you'll see a real mixture of players in the top 30 or so in the LAT order of merit. Some people's driving distances down around 230, 240, some way up 270, 280. Um, because you'll pick the courses that you know that suit your game, um, but yeah, it's a real it's a real mix in there. And are you big into the stats side of of your golf? So in terms of knowing your like strokes gain and, and that side of driving accuracy and that and that likes and how good is the tour with providing that information, or is that all self driven? Uh, it's all it's mostly self driven. I mean, we have the basic stats on LET, so but that's just really we get a little sheet of paper and we fill out two driving stats from the day they pick the two driving distance holes. Um, so that's, it's not a true representation because actually a lot of the time I'm maybe not even hitting driver on those driving distance holes. Um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> whereas when we played, when we played in the Scandinavian mix, um, you know, because it's men's European tour, they have, they have guys that go around and sit on every single hole yeah. and they record every person's driving distance based on their GPS. Um, so that's a pre-representation. So in terms of the driving distance stuff, like I don't look at it on the stats because, uh, like I mean, I can just put in that I hit it like three hundred, and they they have to put it into the system like that. You know, like nobody's checking. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure between you and me, Johnny, if the <laughs> driving distance stats are that accurate. Yeah. Anyway, um, but but yeah, I do my own stats. So yeah, um, but yeah, like we can get the basic ones in LET. You know they're not bad. Um, like you can see, like the ones like all the like putts, greens, and reg fairways hit. That's all usually pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, but I use Decade actually. Um, you know that uh, stats program. Have you heard of Decade? I have not. I know, okay, cool. So it was um uh, it was like developed with Will Zalatoris. Um, so the guy's Scott Scott Fawcett. Um, and actually Bryson uses it now. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, it's all about working out. So you're never hitting at the pin. You're always hitting like a couple of yards left or right of the pin, depending on where the pin is placed, what your number is. Um, and obviously like the further away you are from the hole, you like the further away you aim from the edge of the green pretty much to guarantee that you're not hitting, you're putting yourself into 
into trouble. Like that's like that sort of thing. It gives you a structure for course management, and the stats are in, are pretty incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> Very good. So a lot of it is <clears throat> from the course management side is also just, so yeah, you just don't short sort yourself essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I like they did a video where when, when Tiger won uh, the masters in 2019, when he came back yeah. um, in his, so in his final round, they analyzed it and only two times out of 18 had Tiger short sided himself. In terms of like whether it was on the green or not, like only twice was he the short side of the pin. So every so sixteen out of eighteen times he long sided himself in the pin. So that tells you that he wasn't actually ever aiming at pins. He was always picking like where's the long side? Right, I'm hitting it there to try and guarantee myself a putt. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about getting you thinking from that perspective. How long have you been working with with Decade then? Uh, so that's been like a year and a half now. Um, and I've got Keel on it too, so I make him sit down and watch the videos and stuff so that, so that we're singing from the same hymn sheet. Because at first, I had all these numbers going through my head, and I was like that gift of like Alan from The Hangover. Where like, <laughs> you know, like, and, then, and he's just like, what the hell is going on? You know, like, um, so yeah, so I've got him on it too. So it means when we have conversations, um, you know, uh, like we're both in agreement, like when it comes to where we're aiming on the green, like rather than like we almost never say on the pin. Yeah, I'll just go at the pin because we're always picking points in the background, like okay, a couple of yards left to the pin there or whatever. Um, so yeah, it just makes us a bit more decisive on the course. Yeah. Really good, right? Well, listen, best of luck with with this season. Um, well done again on twenty twenty two. I will be meeting up with you. I'll see at different points throughout the year. So. Looking forward to, to seeing you in France. Cool. Thank you so much. I'll see you then. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.